welcome to the Learn to Lead podcast brought to you by Ability, an experiential learning company based in beautiful Austin, Texas. I'm your host, Matthew Confer, and today on the show, we have John Eads, who is the CEO of LearnLoft. John is also the author of Building the Best, and he was named by LinkedIn one of their top voices in leadership and management. His weekly newsletter has over 165,000 subscribers. Thanks so much for joining us today, John. Matt, I am excited to be here. I'm going to kick us off with a recent post you made, which stated the following. Great leaders don't stop at communicating a significant decision. They articulate how and why it is being made to gain maximum buy-in from the team. So let's start here. Why is buy-in so important? Well, this is inspired by Matt Confer. That's there's no doubt about that, and I and I think that's important to start with because uh, a decision made by yourself doesn't provide an outcome for others that you want. Just because you make it doesn't mean it's going to happen, and everybody's going to get on the bus to go help make it happen. And I think this is where leadership has changed so much, Matt. I mean, back in the day, let's just say. 10 to 15 years ago, a boss just telling someone to complete a task or to do something was good enough. Today, that's not good enough anymore. Not only do people want to know why they need to do it, but they want to know what kind of impact or why this is important that I do it. And I think the best leaders have adapted to the change in human behavior and what people want because I was reflecting on this because yesterday I was spending time in a, in a coaching conversation and someone was really frustrated that their people weren't showing up for 40 or 48 hours a week, depending on the, the week. And they're like, this is the standard. Everybody knows you got to be here 40 hours a week. And I thought, man, the reason why they're not showing up is because they don't see the value in 40 hours a week. They can either do it in less or they can do it from different places like they used to. So I think it's just a one good example, Matt, of where if a leader does a better job of describing why we're doing it, why for why being here for 40 hours a week is important, not just because I said so, but because we work better as a team or we better live out our mission when we're all together, not just to punch the proverbial time clock, but there's got to be a deeper purpose behind that example. You post a, a good amount of videos. And one of the ones that caught my eye was about coaching and feedback. And on this video, you talked about the power of magical feedback. I thought it was a really interesting concept. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about magical feedback? Of course. So uh, I am one of these guys, as, as we studied leaders over the last 10 years, I'm always looking for things that I struggle in or I see other leaders struggle doing to create some, not just shortcuts, but easier or more effective ways to do it. So it lowers that barrier and it feels like this isn't that bad. I can do it this way. And feedback and coaching is just one of those things where leaders either think they're really good and they're not that good, or they don't think they're that good, so they don't do it. And there was some research done from uh, Yale, Columbia, and Harvard. And what they looked at is teachers who gave feedback to students when they turned in a paper. 
And so what they were looking for is common threads or things that these teachers would say. So when the students turn that paper back in after their feedback, get a round of revision. And what they found was that teacher that used these 19 words got up to a 40% improvement when the paper was turned back in. And this is what these teachers said. They said, I'm giving you these comments because we have high standards and I know that you can reach them. Hmm. Now it's called magical because the performance improved, but there's not a lot of magic in it. It's just simple. It's reiterating the high standards that, that they agreed or when they signed up to be a part of this thing. And then most importantly, Matt, it's transferring belief to that person, not I'm not there to tear you down. I'm not there to be the big bad boss. In fact, I'm giving you these comments because I know you can do it. And we've all had that coach or that boss that when they stop giving you feedback, that should be a that should be a warning sign that they don't they don't care about me as much as they used to or they don't maybe see as much value in in me as they used to. So I I look at it as a positive and I want all leaders to look at it as a positive because the one way we get better is with the truth. You know, there's an old saying, all improvement starts with the truth, Matt. And I think a, a leader's job is to share truth with people in a, in a caring and loving way to help improve them, their performance. Let, let's talk about you a little bit. What's the hardest part of what you do? You're, you're putting yourself out there pretty consistently. You have the requirement or you've built up a requirement to release a weekly newsletter. What's the hardest part of your week as a, as a leader and as a professional more broadly? The hardest part early on, it was courage. Uh, courage is defined as being frightened and deciding to do it anyways. So when you start sharing best practices or exposing even your shortcomings as a leader, uh, early on, it was the courage to do it. And after you get in the, the habit of the weekly e uh, newsletter or teaching this workshop or coaching this person, that courage grows, the confidence builds and, and you overcome it. So I would say early on, it's the courage. Um, today, Matt, it's more uh, original thought there's a lot of regurgitated ideas and content. And the, as they say, nothing else is new. Uh, but at the same time, I think, I think there is the originality of thought or a different perspective on something or not just for differentiated sake, but because it's right, or it's going to help a leader perform better or lead more effectively. And that's where I'm, I'm really, concerned with today and having the the bandwidth the the mental time to spend in that thought and to think of the best ideas and to come up with new new ways for leaders to engage with their people is the hardest part of my job you've said this phrase a few times and it definitely pops up a lot in the work that you do and it's the, just the concept of teaching and teaching being a core component of management and core component of leadership and you led an online discussion about that very topic. And you said something, the mediocre teacher tells, the good teacher explains, the superior teacher demonstrates, and the great teacher inspires. 
you've had the chance to work with some truly inspiring teachers and leaders. What do they do differently than simply demonstrate or simply explain something? How do those individuals inspire? Great question. I, it starts with understanding what the word inspire means. The word inspire comes from a Greek word, which means to breathe life into. Uh, how many times we've left work or you've left your boss's office and you feel like the, you got the life squeezed right out of you. You're like, you go home and you're just spent. Now it doesn't mean work's not supposed to be hard. It is. So it doesn't mean it's supposed to be hard, but it doesn't mean that person, that leader or that coach or whoever it is can't breathe life into you while you're doing something hard. And so I think that's what the best leaders do today. I don't think I know. I see it over and over again. They are looking for opportunities to breathe life into their teams. Hmm. That could be in the form of encouragement, Matt. It could be in the form of um, asking them what their personal goals are and dreams are so you can align helping them get there. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do it today. But a, a way to demonstrate or a way to explain this with an example would be if I'm a leader of a team and my team is learning how to do a new skill, let's just say I lead a sales team. And there's no doubt that I could demonstrate the best way to make that prospecting call uh, the, for, for an account. I could demonstrate it to a, for, to a person. I could then show them or watch them do it. I could coach them on how to do it better. But if I can inspire that salesperson, if I can breathe life into them about why we're doing this, why it's so important that you make this call and why if we can help this client become a client, it can change their life or all the people's lives in our building. Now we're talking about a different, a different level of leadership. And I think that is where most managers will get stuck on that first rung. Just show them how to do it. We pay you money, come in and do it. But if you can get to that inspirational leadership, Matt, now you're into a, a different level of impact on them and the organization. You've had the benefit of having a good number of years in this field, watching it develop and being at the forefront of some of these topics. What surprised you about maybe what you were posting about, what you were talking about three, five, even at the beginning of your career years ago versus what is catching on and what people are asking for now? Where has the shift happened that maybe surprised you a little bit versus the content you were pushing out the questions you were getting then versus now? The idea of the humanity in leadership has become more acceptable. I'm not saying we're there yet. I'm not saying that the idea of servant leadership is embraced across every organization. It's not. But I think the more organizations are valuing the development of their people as not only a good business decision, but because it's the right thing to do. Mm. And that has been the thing I've been most encouraged about. I mean, to see organizations develop and invest in their people in ways that organizations, I'll give a real exa tactical example of this. Back in the day, organizations would invest in skill development programs 
to help them do their jobs better because it helped the company make more money. Nothing wrong with that training. That is great. Again, nothing wrong with it. But where today more organizations are open to the personal and professional development, the development of that whole person, because they know they're bringing their whole self to work versus just the skills that I can provide you today. And, and I think that's really exciting for someone in this space is because when we start getting to the second layer, that layer of developing the whole person and looking at their leadership skills and their empathy skills and all these, all these things are, that are not just tactical in nature, you're going to change people's lives and you're going to change their, their, the lives of their families and they're going to come home happier and healthier and they're going to lead their families better. And that to me is what just gets me so excited. When you think about yourself as a leader and the leadership journey that you've been on, where do you think you went in the direction that helped you succeed? What was it that made you successful early on? And where, when you think about planning for the future, where do you want to focus your energy? Where would you like to see yourself develop as a leader over the next few years? I think early on, it was uh, having a vision for where we wanted to go. And and getting people on that journey with me to help help take this ship, to help turn professionals and managers into leaders. I think there was a there was a vision that really helped that I could cast that some people just didn't see, or or even the risk taking nature of it. So that would be early on. Uh, the biggest area right now that I've been really thinking a lot about is allowing people the space to answer the questions themselves. Hmm. And I'll give a real tangible example of this again. We all are in meetings every single day. Early in my career, we would have these team meetings weekly and I would talk 90% of the time because I felt like I had to. I felt like I was the, the CEO and the leader and I just had to be, like if it wasn't, a, I dotted and a T cross, like it was on me and it was a bad reflection on me. And as I've gone further and longer in the leadership role, I understand now that like, if my team can come up with the answer and if they come prepared for that meeting to report on the places they need help. Now, all of a sudden, everyone in that meeting is, feels like I'm getting something out of this and I'm helping the entire team move forward. And I see it kind of over and over again in when I, when I'm on team meeting calls with some of our clients, it's just the leader talking too much. And so that's something I'm conscious of myself. I got one more that I, I haven't put a lot of thought into except right now, early on when I would onboard a team member, there wasn't a whole lot of thought that went into it. It was just like, here's what we do. Here's your computer. Like let's rock and roll. Um, let's hit the ground running. We, we hired you for some skills. And as I've studied some of the great leaders and organizations, I realized that the onboarding process for a team member is the most important thing that you do after deciding that they're the right person. And to onboard a team member with the core values 
the expectations of their role, the kind of the, the way that they're going to, we're going to interact together as a team. I think it's just a step that's missed by too many leaders today. And it sets that person up for not only potentially failure, but to have their expectations not met and be disappointed in this, in this organization that they join. So I think the onboarding becomes really, really essential. Um, I think of Dabo Sweeney, who I wrote about in the book, he spends four days with his entire team and coaching staff before the season, before they ever get on the field. And they do it going over their culture playbook. It's a binder that everybody gets. So imagine you're 18, 19 years old. You can't wait to get on the field and showcase your skills. And the coach has you in a room for four days without windows because he knows that the more you're bought into this binder and this culture, the better you're going to perform on the field. So I, I take that as an example for everybody out there. What is your onboarding process? And does it include the core values and the culture in your organization? And I think that's essential. As a final question, before we shift to the two questions that I ask everybody, something that a vast majority of our guests and a surprising number of our, lead, our listeners reach out to us about is about the topic of curiosity. What are you the most curious about right now? It can be in your space or it can be outside your space. But as we chat right now, what are the, you the most curious about? <laughs> I am obsessed with this idea of curiosity as well. I actually thought it would be, I've started some new research, Matt, and I thought it would be the number one skill that people looked for or is attracted to in their, in their younger or emerging leaders. It's number four, so it's not far down the list. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really essential. What am I most curious about right now? Um, not to go too far off track here, but, uh, I've been listening to the Bible in a year and I never, I've, I mean, I've always been a believer, but I've never, I learned best by listening. So like when I listen to this podcast or mine or anybody else's, that's how I learn best. And so I'm most curious about right now, uh, figures in the old testament and how they led that's what i'm most curious about right now i i that's it i think that's a wonderful spot to shift to the final two questions that i get to ask all of our guests and the first one is this if you could describe your leadership style in just one word what would the word be elevate and the final rapid fire question is this, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? I can't boil it down to one. So I'm going to do two. Uh, the best bit of advice that I've ever been given is that everybody's going through something, whether you know it or not. Uh, a mentor of mine really early on stress that like, even when everything's good, or it feels like it's right on your end, that person that you're with has something going on in their life. And when it looks perfect, there's still something going on. And when it's not good, we know something's going on. And I think that's important. It's been a really key lesson for me. I used to be really low empathy. And now that I understand that, it doesn't mean I have to have sympathy for people, but I can have empathy in trying to put myself in their shoes and acting differently because of it. So that would be the one big lesson. And then uh, 
the last lesson, it's more of a song, <laughs> but, I, but I'm a big Garth Brooks fan. And he's got a song that I sing to my six-year-old called Standing Outside the Fire. And this life will always be easier to stand outside the fire than in it. I mean, you can avoid pain by just not getting in a relationship, but right? you can avoid love by just not being in a relationship. You can avoid tough work by working someplace easy or by just sitting on your couch and watching Netflix. But I think getting in the fire, whether that be writing or speaking or teaching or in a leadership position, or, you know, you, you name what the fire is for you. But I think being in the fire is a much more worthwhile life to live than sitting outside of it. So that would be my last bit of advice. Well, getting in the fire for a life worth lived is a wonderful spot to close this out. Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Uh, social media, it's John Eads on LinkedIn. Um, and then I'm trying to do more on Instagram, my social media uh, uh, team members all over me about that. But so we're trying there, John G Eads on Instagram. Uh, John Eads or learnloft.com are good places as well. And then building the best, the book is uh, everywhere books are sold. Awesome. Well, thank you for all of the great insight. Thank you to all of our wonderful listeners for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's show, we would love a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. Taking an extra minute to rate and review our show really helps out. And of course, we truly appreciate it when you share our show with somebody from your network. You can find me on social media at Matthew Confer, and you can find our show on Instagram by searching for Learn to Lead Podcast. Our podcast is produced by Ability, which you can find by searching for Ability Leadership Development. And make sure you also check out our 12-week fully virtual mini-MBA, which is now entering its third year. This mini-MBA is a nights and weekends program that features experiential learning, mentorship, case studies, and networking. We now have a robust alumni network and you can find more information at invitedmba.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so that you get our next episode. And I want to thank all of you for joining us on the Learn to Lead podcast.